You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring and SunWiz, makers of PV cell software. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and One Step Off the Grid. And joining me as usual is solar industry veteran Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. How are you, Nigel? Giles, um, really well. Thank you. Uh, lovely to be here again. I, um, it's always, uh, you know, the highlight of my week. Oh, look, thanks very much. Look, I've actually rushed back from Sydney for this. I've actually just got off the plane. Um, I've been at the Energy Networks Conference um, for a couple of days this week. And, um, Good Lord. Uh, and, and, well, and because, you would have had to because, change your sandals for that, wouldn't you? Well, I was, I, was, I was just about to say, actually, because I've actually just gotten back from Sydney at this conference, this is the first podcast I've ever recorded wearing a pair of shoes. <laughs> so I don't want to frighten the listeners. But, um, so, so many historic moments we're going to talk about this. Oh, look, so many historic <laughs> moments, you know. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, spare for thought for other people because here I am sort of sitting here wearing a pair of shoes and poor old Blair Pester from Winaco has got his goggles on and his wetsuit and he's looking for his solar panels, which I, um, oh fell off the back of, a, um, fell fell off off the back of that back freighter. Of his, yeah, that's right. Got bl- oh. Yeah, there's all sorts of... Um, all sorts of things that fell off that freighter, but it's true. Apparently, he lost a container load. Poor oh, bugger. Poor bugger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, look, um, we've got a lot to talk about, um, mm. and we've got an interview too with uh, Rod Scott from Selectronics, who just Excellent. made did it. I was at another conference um, last week um, and picked up an interview with him there, and that's pretty interesting. But look, first Excellent. of all, I want to talk about networks, the Energy Networks Australia. Geez, I've got to say, completely different vibe from where you go to a solar conference or a renewables conference. Yeah. And um, everyone's wearing a suit for a start, mm-hmm. and um, it's got the air of incumbents worried about the future. <laughs> and sort of saying, and everyone's sort of t- telling each other, and they're telling themselves, saying, "We've got to think about the consumer. We've got to think about the consumer." And um, they're all convinced themselves that they are actually thinking about the consumer. Um, one of the most astute guys there is actually Richard Gross from Osgrid, and um, you know, he just he actually pointed out and said, "Look, we've actually been really good at building things." Mm-hmm. And I should add, charging people for it. Mm-hmm. Um, now they've actually got to turn their attention to um, to the consumer, and how they do that is really—I don't think they've figured it out yet. But no. one of the things that really annoyed me, um, and I've written about it um, this week in Renew Economy, was this scare campaign that's come up against rooftop solar. Now mm-hmm. we've had scare campaigns before about the carbon price and you know hundred-dollar lamb roasts and Wyala being a ghost town and stuff like that. Never about a day wind goes energy. A scare Never you a, need day a good goes scare by. campaign. But this one started from the Australian Energy Market Operator and has been sort of picked up the ball. Um, the networks run with it and so have a couple of other software developers talking about the blackout threat from rooftop solar. You know, is that what happens when, you know, um, all the inverters could possibly switch off at once if there was a big fault and um, there'd be a total blackout. Mm. Now, mm. Um, we've actually thoroughly dis- debunked um, the likelihood of this. I mean, look, I guess it's not completely impossible, but it's so unlikely, mainly because most of the inverters have been installed over the last two years, and that's about two gigawatts worth, um, have complied to the standards, which actually prevents that. Mm-hmm. And AEMO's own study found that um, three quarters of the inverters that had been installed before that also complied with it. Mm. Um, I guess what's really annoyed me is that we've, and we've discussed this quite a lot here 
uh, about the visibility of what people do with rooftop solar and that accounts for what people do in the home it accounts for understanding how the system works and accounts for the networks and also accounts for the operators and we get that but mm-hmm. don't try and impose whatever it is that you want to do through scare campaigns. I mean, there's got to be a reasonable argument for it. And we can't move forward with this energy debate when we've got this sort of nonsense going on. I couldn't agree more, uh, Giles, and it's really frustrating. I mean, no doubt about it that there are technical challenges, right? There are technical challenges to to running, you know, uh, a seven gigawatt solar fleet and and growing it. And there are technical challenges uh, to to, uh, running a coal-fired plant and and the, the possibility, as has been demonstrated in the last 12 months of those going offline is pretty high as well so you know i agree with you you know there's no doubt that there's risk there's no doubt that there's work being done and plenty of standards in place uh, uh it all of the consumers cost i might add uh, you know consumers are forced to pay for the technical enhancements that are required either for export limitation equipment or for um you know dread controls that are probably never ever going to be used there's all sorts of stuff that's already going on out there so you know storm in a teacup well, it's not just a storm and teacup. It's actually kind of one of the big things that's going to be, um, you know, it's one of these great sort of, we're at a pivot point here on so many different levels about the shift from centralised generation to decentralisation, decentralised um, energy, from fossil fuels to renewables, from yep. synchronous generators to inverters, yep. from networks. Um, some of the networks today were saying, well, we don't know what a retailer will do in the future or just be us and other machines. Um, and it also comes down to, who gets to control this um, all this equipment? I mean, sure, you, all this rooftop solar, better if it's all linked up and married and aggregated and used as virtual power plants, but who gets to control it? Should it be the network operator? Should it be the market operator? Should it be the householders and other businesses themselves? Mm. Really interesting questions. Great questions. Uh, really, really the, the, you know, million-dollar questions that, you know, frankly, they should have been asking themselves a few years ago and, and you know, helping us because we've all been asking the same questions as well. And, you know, I can remember, you know, almost, almost a decade ago having a... A debate with one of the uh, network or one of the regulators actually here in New South Wales and uh, about the fact that they had no idea what was going on in their network. They didn't have granular visibility to the voltage on various nodes. They couldn't tell us where solar was supposed to be or where it wasn't supposed to be. So, you know, this is this is not new territory. And, um, you know, I, I agree, a scare campaign um, is really just an indication that, you know, they're feeling the pressure. We heard a story in the last episode of, um, you know, the competitive issues that we're seeing out there. We saw more in the in the press from the uh, from Western Australia uh, last week, there was a story about uh, synergy over in, the, in WA being accused of monopolistic behaviour and competitive uh, challenges against the solar industry. And then, you know, just to prove that the Kodak moment is already in play and happening, and that these guys really need to stop panicking, just get on and collaborate with us and and sort it out is the. Um, the story out of the NT about NT uh, territory generation slashing its asset value by 150 million bucks. Big, big slash in asset value up there, um, partially because of the challenges that renewables uh, yeah. are, are bringing to the table up there and the changes in the energy mix. So, you know, the Kodak moment's underway. Um, well, and these, yeah. guys, these guys are stuck in a, in, in a, in a Photoshop on, you know, King Street yeah. still trying to print out images. That's too right. It was interesting. Josh Frydenberg was speaking there this morning and he was talking about, oh, look, you know, there's going to be lots of gas generation built across the grid over the next few years. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, no, um, maybe some. And I'll tell you why it's not going to happen. Um, I was talking to the guys from Fluence this week and they're talking about um, 
solar costs of about $40 to $50 a megawatt hour. They're talking about four hours of battery storage being about $30 a megawatt hour. You pile those two things together, that's about $70 or $80 a megawatt hour for a peaking solar plant able to wow. do the same thing as gas-fired wow. generation, which would be yep. twice the cost. We've already seen this in the US, um, that solar and wind and storage is outbidding gas. People think that storage costs are still a long, long way away, but they said if you're actually doing it like this, if you're actually sort of, sort of storing it and, and using it as a peaker rather than just playing arbitrage, the economics they reckon work, um, work up. And if you're doubtful about their claims about 40 to $50 um, a megawatt hour power purchase agreements or, or, or LCOE costs in Australia, I think that the recent analysis about what's been happening in China, and they've basically put to a stop to any new projects in 2018, mm. that is basically going to give a whole extra lot of capacity and panels and modules flooding the market. And there's I going to be a whole blue- lot more. There's going to be a whole lot more ships coming down the east coast. We 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 perhaps should get ready for more containers floating around. <laughs> well, hopefully they actually make it all the way here. But <laughs> but blue but. But Bloomberg New Energy Finance reckon that when they do get here, they'll be 25% cheaper than what they were before. So pretty Indeed, interesting and, stuff. It, it sure is, mate. And, and the, what's going on in China is is uh, really incredible, both on the upside and the downside. You know, there was a great story uh, last week that I picked up about um, Longy Solar, who is not a... Not necessarily a common name. Uh, some of the industry pundits might know it, but um, to consumers, they wouldn't necessarily know it so much. But they've been growing their capacity at an astronomical rate in China. They are now one of the true behemoths of the solar industry, right mm. across the crystalline uh, and ingot space, right through to modules as well. And and, and they set a brand new record for bifacial, which was um, incredible. Um, and so they've been coming out saying, well, it's time that the anti-dumping tariffs will be dro- should be dropped in, in Europe. So they're looking for new homes for all this product. And lo and behold, um, uh, there's also wind curtailment issues uh, in, in China uh, where they're doing the same thing that they're doing down in South Australia where they're saying, no, 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 turn your wind turbines down. Uh, I've got to, I'm going to say, that actually, that's not happening so much in South Australia. I actually wrote a story a couple of weeks ago saying that oh. the total containment, containment in South Australia, which is the grid with the mostest wind of anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. um, was only 3% in 2017-18. Oh, beautiful. That's good. There you go. That's there good. you go. That's good. Yep. If, if, if I was a financier or the finance guy doing the spreadsheet, I wouldn't want to have to deal with the risk of curtailment on my project if I was building it. So it's certainly something to watch. But big issue in China as well, more because the just explosive, or as China described it as excessive expansion, which I, I, I kind of like the term. Yeah. But um, yeah, it has been going off over there. And so they're, they're having to curtail because they've got wind energy in, in spades, in spot, wind energy in, in spades in some areas where they perhaps don't have plants going in. They've got expansion from some of the manufacturers that we've already talked about. So what comes next? Well, government has to slow things down. So they have done that. Um, we've seen this happen before in China where the market um, gets perhaps a little bit ahead of, uh, of what the government's looking for and they wind back the tariffs, they wind back the targets, they wind back uh, uh, everything that they can wind back, um, kind of cause the industry to go into a, into a state of, uh, of collapse. Uh, it consolidates, the small guys get weeded out, the big guys get bigger or go bust and it sorts itself out and then they get rolling again. But mm. of course the ramification for us and the rest of the world um, is that um, those manufacturers are going to want to keep their factories going. They're going to want to send that product somewhere else. So it will be very telling in the next six months to see 
uh, perhaps new, some new brands, some new products, some new uh, new um, uh, solar products in Aust- in the country that we haven't seen for mm. a while, or if not at all. Mm, interesting. I just want to pick up another couple of things. Um, talking about sort of solar going down. Um, really interesting to see a whole bunch of corporate people um, signing up to solar. We've had in just in the last two weeks, we've had University of Queensland signing up to build a 64 megawatt solar farm in Warwick yeah, and they're going huge. to be 100 percent solar yeah. Mars Australia taking 50 megawatts from the Ganawara solar farm Beautiful. taking six factories in Australia 100 percent solar Wow Lavers and Stableworks in Victoria part of the GFG Alliance signing up for the uh, Namurka solar farm go 100 percent solar mm-hmm. we've had Cutney United breweries um, signing up for I can't remember the name of that solar farm but they've signed up for a solar farm going 100% solar. It's wow. kind of catching on. Wow, wow. And, 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 you know, I mean, go right down the chain um, to the small level and, and you know, the, the sort of 50, 100, 200, 300 kilowatt level. These things are just going in all over the place. Clubs, uh, uh, you know, buildings like ours, um, soft drink factories, you know, you name mm. it. Businesses are wide awake. And, in fact, I was talking to one of the big PPA guys who does commercial the other day, and they said, look, it's pretty It's pretty simple. We're, we're able to get energy out at 10 to 15 cents a kilowatt hour on PPAs these days. Good terms, nice, simple deals, plenty of competition, so it's fairly mature. There's choice for, for business yeah. customers, uh, just, uh, just getting easier and easier and easier, and energy costs for a lot of these companies – as the press highlights every single day, are you know extraordinary twenty, thirty, forty cents a kilowatt hour. You can't run a business with energy costs like that. So, solar Absolutely. is the solution uh, for keeping a lot of these businesses afloat. Yeah, and it was interesting to note actually um, another one of the uh, co-sponsors of this um, of this um, podcast, um, Solar Analytics, of course, but also SunWiz and PV Cell. Um, SunWiz has just put out its data this week, talking about another record month of solar. I think mm. about 150 megawatts or something like that. I can't quite yep. remember now, but it's 583 megawatts for the first five months. We're going to shoot right over a gigawatt for the whole year. We're already at, you know, the equivalent of the end of October from 2015-2016 and Warwick also notes in his data that um, it's not just the rooftop PV going gangbusters, which um, we've come used, to, come used to over the last year, but it's um, the large-scale PV is also catching up now. So they're actually going head-to-head mm. in the amount of um, new, um, new stuff coming online. So really interesting stuff. Yep. Yep, this year was always, that last year, this year, we're always going to be the big ones for this large-scale stuff as we came to the end of the, uh, the large-scale rep program. And um, mm. so, you know, again, no big surprise here. What, what is incredible is to see the amount of um, residential and rooftop um, commercial that's going on, uh, putting aside yeah. even the big stuff. It's, it's um, yeah, I think we're going to blow some records out of the water yeah. and some forecasts out of the water this year. Look, I might just take this opportunity to um, talk about, um, or just introduce this interview that I did um, down at the Energy Storage Conference in Adelaide a couple of weeks ago. This is with Rod Scott from uh, Selectronics. Um, they've been one of the long-term players in the industry, and he's one of the um, one of the um, great old stages of the industry. So um, let's have a listen to what he says here. Rod, thanks for joining us. Um, you must, uh, your organisation must have been around in the energy storage and. Um, industry in Australia for longer than anyone else, right, way back in the 1980s. Yeah, it was um, way back in the days when it was pretty much, unless you were sort of very much green, as in not new, but you know, as in uh, tree hugging green, 
um, or you had a need for being off grid and um, remote power, um, there was there was just a very small industry. There was always the, uh, the early adopters, as, as there often is in Australia. Um, but yeah, back in 1981, we, we released our very first square wave inverter for, for use for off grid. And we're talking to you now because a couple of milestones have come up in the last couple of weeks. So one is you've actually sold 200,000 um, inverters now for linked to battery storage um, in Australia and around the world. And it's just about your 10th anniversary of on-grid battery inverters. Is that right? That, that's, that's correct. So the, our first sort of main on-grid um, inverter charger was the SP Pro, which we, we launched a Series 1 of that um, back in... In uh, 2008, um, we had a big uh, shing ding for three days and got all our customers together and, and uh, up in the Yarra Valley and it was it was a good time and it was uh, quite a milestone. Mm. Um, and we've been selling that yeah for now 10 years. So tell me about the change in the industry then. So you basically going from mobile towers and off-grid locations to now pretty much sort of um, islands and um, on-grid locations and larger installations and um, right into the inner city, I'd imagine. Yeah, so, so I guess typically um, the previous on-grid solutions were more fringe grid type solutions where there was problems with um, capacity or problems with reliability. Uh, but, but before that, of course, it was all off-grid uh, predominantly and, um, and that's still a, a market. Obviously, there's, there's always going to be an, a market for off-grid, but the, the big growth is the on-grid as we can see here in Australia and, and around the world. So where is this growth coming from? I mean, who's doing it and why? Well, I guess the um, the growth in the in the on grid is 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 a, is a big growth in the domestic. So the, um, the the awareness of what energy storage could can do for you is is really growing the last few years. Uh, when we we're you know we've been doing it for ten years, and ten years ago, I guess we were mainly having to educate the market. So we we're we we're literally creating the market as we went out and educated people in the benefits of energy storage. But what's changed since then, of course, is not only have is the market more aware, but there's there's a, more products that can handle maybe the, the more entry level type um, energy storage uh, requirements for people because not everyone needs all the bells and whistles. They might just want a bit of energy shifting to just sort of take excess solar, not all the you know backup and and, and the, this capacity that we can do as a, as a product ourselves. So. So are people mostly doing that or are, they, um, or, or are some people in the city getting fed up and just going completely off grid or just the people just sort of doing it because they like the idea of having energy storage a bit like they like a new lounge chair or something? Well it's interesting you say that because cause fortunately for us um, a lot of it is emotive. If it was if it was all about dollars, um, we probably wouldn't be in business today. <laughs> so, so. Well, neither with the well, no, I was going to say neither with the people sitting down chairs, but people do need to sit in something. So I suppose that sort of defeats that one anyway. But <laughs> well, well, I guess people do like to sit in lounge chairs, and 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 they, some of them like to sit around and 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 sort of think, well, I've just stuck it to the man, and uh, and I'm now enjoying cheaper prices or in some cases, in extreme cases, they, they actually have no bills coming through because mm. they're completely off-grid. Mm. That's not mm. as popular, of course, but, but offsetting their bill and, and being able to ha- be independent and actually choosing, well, when I'll, I'll buy from the grid when you 
when I want to, not when you force me to at the higher rates that you want me to. So people want, people want independence and, and control. Yeah. Look, one of the things that we've seen in the solar industry, I think, has been an influx in sort of cheap panels, and you know, there's been a lot of concern about that. Um, with battery storage, I think there's an even deeper concern because you know the the, the impacts of having cheap storage and poor storage would be would be would be bad. Is, is this something that you're sort of seeing and that, and that worries you about the sort of the quality control on the products that we're uh, rolling out? Well, I guess there's, there's two sides to that. One is um, potential quality control, and and that, in its worst case, has safety issues. Mm. Um, but the other side of it is just not necessarily choosing the right battery system for the right application. So it might actually be a, a, a reasonable system, but they're promising maybe beyond what the capabilities of that system is. And, mm. and so the, either way, the consumer gets burnt. And, and when the consumer gets burnt, the, the industry gets a bad name, and that's not good for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So how does an Australian inverter company compete against the, um, the global giants? Because there's a fair few in, um, in the country. Um, how are you standing up? Oh, we just hang around and wait until we get a, a, you know an offer. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> um, well, I guess um, they, they've come into to some extent they're coming to markets we weren't really in. Mm. Um, so there's that's so it's a big market. So, um, but, but I guess that's it's an interesting question because because a lot of what we're doing now is not so much educating the market on what battery storage can do for you, but what is the right battery storage solution, mm. and um, whether you choose if you choose another solution another brand you know there are other brands out there besides Selectronic believe it or not <laughs> hard to imagine <laughs> it is hard to imagine but, but uh, if you choose another brand, you've got to choose them for the right reason and we, what, what really bothers us is when people choose them for the wrong reason because they've been promised something that just can't be delivered mm. and just uh, one final question give, give us a prediction of where the battery storage and um, the, yeah the storage market is going to go well it's it's been growing fast here and around the world, which is which is pretty exciting. It's going to be keep growing, I guess, both behind the meter and and the big stuff is in front of the meter is, is going to keep happening. So um, we're going to we're hoping it's going to keep going, but at a at a reasonably steady pace and not too much artificial incentive, which creates spikes. We saw that through the solar and the tap was turned on hard, and then all the cowboys came in and then it was turned off and people went broke. So hopefully it keeps steadily growing as it is now, and um, yeah, and governments in Australia can take the opportunity to allow us to really lead the world. Mm. Well, good for you, Rod, and uh, look, congratulations on your milestones, and um, thanks for joining us on uh, Solar Insiders. Beautiful. Thanks for that, Charles. That was Rod Scott from uh, Selectronic. Look, Nigel, uh, that was Rod Scott from Selectronics. Nigel, great to hear from him. Um, he's been here since the year dot, um, one of the first people sort of starting off and off-grid, going to, to on-grid, um, really interesting perspectives um, about the industry. Yeah, Solar Pioneer, um, uh, Rod and, and, and quite a number of his team were up at the Solar Pioneers event uh, where you needed to be in the industry for 25 years or more. Um, a year or so back now and uh, both of those guys were there and it's been it's just been glorious to watch those guys not only survive as an Australian manufacturer of you know really high-tech gear um, but indeed to to expand and prosper mm. and you know celebrate all sorts of things I think they got second in a innovation or technology award the other day in in, in Victoria almost or just pipped at the post um, just a great yeah. story. Now, one of their specialities is off-grid, and um, just going on the theme of sort of total blackouts. Um, last time I spoke to you, you were just about to disappear off to the country, camping, going off-grid with solar. Did your camping <laughs> ground experience a total blackout caused by the failure of your solar inverter while you were away? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but there is a funny story there because it, it was nearly caused a total failure by me. Um, the, 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 the beautiful thing about this, uh, so every year for the last five or six years, my extended family on my wife's side, we all go away to this, this wonderful farm that we've uh, discovered. Um, we, we take a little cabin and a bunch of us camp around the cabin and we sit there and have a good time for a week. So it, there's no mobiles, there's no phone, there's no internet. Uh, it is 100% off-grid and it's just a great, you know, get away from the world and society and sit there and look at the stars kind of a, a exercise. Really, really good. On the particular cabin that we're in is the original, there's a number of solar systems on the farm and, and they moved um, the original solar system that the family had bought 30 years ago, believe it or not, out to, to run this cabin. So the solar panels that are there are 30 years old. They're still going. They're a little bit brown. But they're still going. A little bit um, brown. That doesn't and, sound very uh, healthy. <laughs> they, they're 30 years, you know. They've got a good tan after all this time. Um, but they're still working. It's all very, you know, it is bushcraft 101. And uh, there was, it is, um, shall we say, it is bushcraft. It, it is um, uh, deadly. Uh, it's it's uh, a little scary. Um, uh, one of the boys, uh, one of the sons of the family, was out there doing some work, saying, "Oh, we've expanded the system. Look, we put some more more panels on." And um, he came and grabbed me. I said, "Look, if you need a hand, grab me. Uh, uh, I'm not a Sparky, but I'd, I've been around a couple of these things." And we we had a little bit of a look. And I came back over when he called me, and uh, I said, "What's that smell?" He said, "Oh, that's weird. I don't know what that smell is." I said, "That smells like burning something." <laughs> Uh, something electrical that's generally not a good sign why don't we isolate the system and he said what's an isolator and i went ah now you're you're giving the network operators ideas mate (laughs) (laughs) well luckily it's in the middle of absolutely nowhere they'll never find it but it was really interesting because on the one hand here was a family who have survived 30 years off grid 30 years and the gear is still running one of the cottages there, which our family of you know twenty or so who was out there were able to enjoy, and we did not have a problem with the power whatsoever, and we had a lot of beer fridges. Let me tell you, um, but so on the one hand, a wonderful success story. On the other hand, of course, Bushcraft One Hundred One. These guys really have made do. They're, they're still living, you know, thirty years ago in terms of how to deal with this gear, and you know, so a little scary, but you know, just fabulous example of you know really w- what life changing differences this gear. Uh, can make um, to all sorts of people and how, how long-lived it can be. Fascinating to think that when that was installed and there was just basically hardly any solar anywhere in Australia or you know, apart from sort of communities like this and, and, and now look at it, you know, 2 million homes, That's 7 right. gigawatts of rooftop solar. Um, yes, no wonder everyone wants to get control of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's now, look, right. um, um, we're going to probably wrap up with a little bit about EVs, but um, just let's run through a couple of, couple oh, of bits of the other news. Um, you've got jotted down here, and I'm sort of reading off the uh, wonderful notes that you... Now, I mean, listeners, I do want you to understand that we prepared deeply for this, <laughs> as you can tell. Um, Kiringa Council offering a $500 rebate to install solar or batteries. That's um, interesting. They are. They, and yeah, getting look, amazing uh, solar the... monitoring for free. Oh, I wonder how that came about. <laughs> yeah. 
Look, Karingai are, are, are really, there's a great bunch of guys out there. Um, lots of councils doing awesome stuff. And, and, and actually our company, you know, is going off the Richter with work with councils uh, lately. I don't know what's happening out there with councils, but they seem to have twigged. And so um, they're all looking for monitoring. And we're having a great time. And Karingai, when I was chatting to them the other day, and I do a lot of education for their consumers, um, they they mentioned that they've introduced this $500 rebate. So there, there, there are councils out there um, really, really doing, stepping up to the plate and, and, you know, at the grassroots level saying, we'll mm. help you. We'll get, we'll help you um, spend it on solar, spend it on batteries, send, spend it on monitoring, do whatever you want to do. But they want better quality gear out there. They want to increase paybacks and they want more solar in their uh, particular um, uh, area. Um, so there are incentives out there. I also, you know, when I thought about it, I thought, geez, I wonder if anyone else is out there doing it. And sure enough, Northern Territory government's also got some money out there for energy efficiency and solar. That'd be projects. very exciting um, for our two listeners up in the Northern Territory, who I think are actually the energy minister and his deputy. So um, well done, guys. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> Kudos to you guys. Uh, so yeah, there, it, but what it shows is that you know there is good news out there for solar consumers. There are still some rebates out there. Dig around, talk to your council. If they're not doing a rebate, ask them why not. Well, what about some just crap very solar? briefly because um, it's um, very briefly. It's a short. But, um, yeah. It's look. It's important, what? listeners. Remember, if it's really, really cheap, it is it's probably really, really bad. <laughs> it is important. And this is really for all those, um, this is a heads up for those of you who, who haven't picked up the news. So JFY inverters were delisted a little while ago by the Clean Energy Council um, for not meeting some of the standards required for um, pro- primarily around disconnection. They appealed the delisting uh, when it was initially uh, launched and uh, that was assessed by the uh, product review panel um, and that assess- and that appeal was denied mm. actually. Uh, so it was upheld and, and they were required to you know continue through a process. As a result of that, they said, look, we're, we'll put another inverter through the test we're happy to do that we'll pay for it um, because we're you know we think you did the test wrong and that's the only reason it failed and it should be fine so we're going to pay to put it through the test guess they what failed again. well again. that'd be some of the per- so, I guess that's when when, when when some of these operators are thinking about sort of you know bad inverters and, and problems happening they're thinking about this rubbish stuff but um, I mean look they're there but right. you know they are the small minority um, yeah, they are the minority, and um, you know, kudos again, kudos to the good regulations and rules at the CC. They found mm-hmm. this, they detected it. They've got a delisting process. Um, they've pulled it off. They gave an opportunity for appeal. So there is a really good process in place here now, and there has been tons of warning for all the manufacturers to get their head around the requirements here. So no excuses. JFI need to lift mm-hmm. their game. Interesting, mate. Um... Some fun, Some fun stuff. stuff. EV news. Take me away. Oh. oh, so Isle of Man, right? It's the time of year. Isle of Man. It is a uh, 50 kilometer long street circuit around an island in the middle of the Irish Sea, halfway between Ireland and the UK. And every year, um, the bravest men in the entire universe go out there and go hell for leather around this circuit on motorcycles. It's on my bucket list. I can't believe I haven't got there. Anyway, for the last, um, let me think about this. Uh, it's nine years now since they introduced the electric class. Uh, and I've been tracking the the performance of the electric bikes relative to the petrol bikes since the day it started. And last night the race was on. And um, sure enough, uh, really lucky, good weather for a change. 
on the Isle of Man. So all the bikes, there were new records set all over the place. But very, very briefly, um, finally, the 120 mile per hour barrier was broken by an electric bike around the island. Now that is a race average speed. So that's 196 kilometers an hour for on average around the full 50 kilometers of the circuit. So of course there's higher speeds than that, but it gives you a sense of of the incredible bravery of these guys um, racing between stone walls and everything else. So Bloody the gap now between, it's, it's insanity, just YouTube, it's insane. Um, but um, the technological evolution is, is really the story that I'm excited by here. Um, every, almost every year, there's been a few blips and bumps, but almost every year for that nine years, the gap has been reducing between the petrol bikes and the, um, and the electrics. Yeah. This year, it dropped by another 2%. Um, it's dropping on average about 2% every year, that gap. Um, and, and this year, the gap um, between the superbike class, this is race average speeds again, um, is only 6.5% or 13 kilometers an hour. That's between the winning superbike average lap speed and the winning electric bike lap speed. So it's only 13 kilometers an hour difference in, on average around that lap, which is absolutely stunning it also means that now if you look at that speed um, um 120 mile per hour average lap speed um that would have placed the electrics at the mm. head of the field in the 650 class um yeah the only the only uh, um the only real downside is so far the e-bikes can only do one lap at full tilt um they can't do the three or four laps that the petrol bikes can do um but an incredible record uh, incredible work by the team what the they people. need is one of those what they need is one of the, the, those leads that the morris dancers have you know they sort of swing around in <laughs> <laughs> where they can stay fully charged <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Right. <laughs> so, something. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's what we need more mocking in you know, electric bikes. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and a full, uh, I want to give uh, kudos uh, a university team, University of Nottingham, I think it was, landed second this year at 119 miles an hour. Phenomenal effort. The, the winning teams are a very well backed team, yeah. Japanese Mugen team, um, but a university came in second, cool. so huge props to them. In, um, what happens in an electric bike race? I mean, is it really quiet? Does it look like, like a silent disco type thing? It's, just, it's got moments of that, and I tell you, the spectators are split. They are split. It's coming around. I, I know a few people who've been there, and yeah, the attitudes are really interesting because it is the birth of motorcycle racing, the Isle of Man. So there is classic racing, and there's noise, and there's you know craziness over there. So the electrics are freaking people out. There's no doubt about it. Um, but at speed, uh, these things are like a screaming banshee. They they really have. Um, it's a new noise. It's a different noise. It can take a while for people to get used to it. But um, I think um, the proof is in the pudding now. And with a 120 mile per hour lap, uh, people are really starting to sit up and take this seriously. In fact, Mugen said they had a number of riders come to them saying, "We actually need to get on one of these electric bikes. We want to ride on your team." So yeah, the riders are starting to come to the electric manufacturers now saying, "I want to get on mm. this bike." So they're seeing it. Well, it's, that's interesting. Well, yeah, like a screaming banshee. They haven't quite sort of um, broken the um, speed of sound, but they've certainly got the sound of speed down pat. <laughs> that's right and look at 120 miles an hour if you're uh, standing on a stone fence watching a bike go past uh, you know a few inches away it's fast trust it, me it would the exhilaration it would, it would pass your hair if you had any yeah that's correct that's correct <laughs> well look um, um, I think that just about wraps us up for the day actually yeah yep. 
Yep, you've um, you got to go and find somewhere to um, you got to go and hand those shoes. I've got to hand those shoes back to someone. Borrow them from the guy down there. And look, listeners will be (laughs) delighted to learn that um, you've actually sent me a new microphone. So um, it actually wasn't the post office waiting Uh for me, but because I only just um, my plane was late, I couldn't get there to pick it up. So next time, I'm going to have as dulcet a tone as um, as you, my good friend. I just can't wait. <laughs> and I hope can our listeners. Look, um, thanks, Nigel. Thanks to our um, sponsors, Solar Analytics and, um, and PV Cell from Sunwiz. And um, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered, and make the most of your home energy. Solar Insiders is also brought to you by Sunwiz, makers of PV cell software that gives retailers the tools to stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar consultancy.